Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and my orthopedic surgeon, Dr. George Markovich, will be joining us as well. It is August the 3rd, and on this day in 1923, that is 1923, Calvin Coolidge was sworn in as the 30th president of the United States, hours after the death of President Warren G. Harding. Born on July 4th, 1872, in Plymouth, Vermont, Coolidge was the son of a village storekeeper. He graduated from Amherst College in Massachusetts and worked his way up in the political ranks in the state as a Republican, from city councilman in Northampton to 1898 to governor in 1918. Coolidge made it... Onto the Republican ticket in 1920 as Harding's ringmate, and they won a decisive victory over the Democrat pairing of James Cox and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. In 1923, Harding's administration was tainted by the emergence of corruption scandals involving Attorney General Harry M. Doherty and other high government officials, a group known as the Ohio Gang. A distraught Harding sought refuge from Washington during a summer vacation, but died suddenly in San Francisco late on August the 2nd after suffering a heart attack or stroke. Coolidge got the news of Harding's death early the next morning while visiting family in Vermont. He took the oath of office by the light of a kerosene lamp. His father, a notary public, administered it uh, using the family's Bible. <clears throat> Coolidge immediately began working to rehabilitate the tarnished image of the government's executive branch, projecting an image of old-fashioned New England values and Puritan austerity that reassured a troubled public. A man of few words, he was known as, quote-unquote, Silent Cal. Coolidge became an extremely popular president, winning more than 54% of the popular vote when he was elected in 1924. His time in the White House coincided with the era of unprecedented material prosperity and technological advances, with consumers snapping up widely available new products such as automobiles, radios, and household appliances like vacuum cleaners and dishwashers. I should say washing machines. Strongly conservative, Coolidge believed the government should do little to interfere with business and industry, and whether it was to check out the growing power of big corporations or to aid struggling industries such as agriculture, he supported tax cuts for the businesses and high tariffs to protect U.S. goods, but vetoed aid to farmers as well as a plan to produce electric power cheaply on the Tennessee River. Taking office just five years after the First World War ended, Coolidge favored isolationism in foreign policy and opposed American membership in the League of Nations. Though he almost certainly would have won re-election in 1928, he decided not to run, retiring from politics before the stock market disaster of November 1929 and the ensuing Great Depression that crippled the country. He died of a heart attack in January 1933, Although uh, finally remembered for restoring dignity to the White House, the Coolidge era also went down in history as a time of government complacency in the face of impending economic disaster. Coolidge is a great president in my mind, one of the finest presidents that we've had. <clears throat> and uh, while certainly you can question some of the uh, tariffs and the things that he imposed, uh, we've learned a lot since then. And uh, Calvin Coolidge, silent cow, great president. Well, in November 2018, the citizens of Kaya County, by a margin of 51 to 49 percent, approved a referendum allowing for collection of a 1 percent infrastructure surtax. The surtax is divided among Kaya County and its three municipalities by the Florida Department of Revenue using the same formula used to distribute half-cent t- sales tax. The distribution percentage is recalculated each year to reflect changes in population. Currently, Collier County share of the infrastructure surtax is 91.2%, with the remaining 8.8% shared by Naples, Marco Island, and Everglades City. The tax was to be used for certain capital improvements within the county, including the extension of Vanderbilt Beach Road, 
big corkscrew regional park, and certain community initiatives, including a veterans' nursing home, a mental health uh, facility, workhouses, uh, workforce housing, and a career and technical training center. Collections began January the 1st, 2019, and were to continue seven years or until the tax generated $470 million countywide. Well, if the tax generated $490 million prior to the expiration of the uh, seven-year period, the tax would sunset or cease the following December 31st. Well, uh, through May 2023, the tax generated over $490 million. So the tax will sunset this year on December 31st. In the interim, there will be seven more months of sales tax collected, which will generate a surplus over the target amount of $490 million. Some taxpayers may be wondering how we met this threshold two years earlier than anticipated. There are several factors that have contributed to the accelerated collection pace, including a flood of new residents during and after COVID-19, unprecedented inflation impacting key industries, and in our market and overall economic growth. So uh, this is one of the few times that tax is created and it's going to sunset and go away. Hopefully, our Cuyahoga County Commissioners will leave it that way. Wall Street tumbled its worst day in months as a, uh, its torrid rally the critics called overdone lost more momentum. The S&P 500 fell 1.4% Wednesday for its sharpest drop since April. It was the index's second straight loss after hitting a 16-month high last week. The Dow lost 1% or 348 points, and the Nasdaq sank 2.2%. Yields are mixed after Fitch cut the U.S. government's credit rating, and a lot of people are pointing their fingers towards that credit rating as the reason for the uh, drop in the market. The downgrade strikes at the core of the financial system, but it has so far caused little drama uh, than uh, a little cut in 2011. The uh, big concerns remain corporate profits in the economy. Reports on those were mixed yesterday. <clears throat> well, if you haven't seen Tucker Carlson's uh, latest Tucker on Twitter, or Tucker, Tucker on X, I guess it's going to become, uh, it's really outstanding. Uh, the Biden brand is a abuse of soft power. This, according to Devin Archer, told Tucker Carlson during the interview that was released yesterday. On Twitter, there's already been 16 million views of this Twitter, Twitter release. Unbelievable. Archer was uh, Hunter Biden's best friend in business. Together, he, by the way, pretty impressive guy. He's smart. Together, they sat on Burisma Holdings Board and uh, co-founded BHR Partners, a Chinese-backed investment fund. Obviously, the brand of Biden, you know, adds a lot of power when your dad's vice president, Archer told Carl, Carlson. Archer told the House investigators on Monday that Hunter Biden included then-Vice President Joe Biden on speakerphone more than 20 times when business associates to sell the brand. One of those called included a dinner in China with Jonathan Lee of BHR Partners. I don't know if it was orchestrated a call or not, Archer said. It certainly was powerful, though, because if you're sitting with a foreign business person and you hear the vice president's voice, that's prize enough. I mean, that's pretty impactful stuff for anyone, he said. Archer described a business situation in which Joe Biden called Hunter Biden, who flipped the call on speakerphone. Sometimes it was a call that was coming and the speaker would just go on. So it was, uh, it was just the president, Archer said. The power to have the access to the, uh, in that conversation, and it's not in a scheduled conference call, <clears throat> and that's part of your family, that's like the pinnacle of power in D.C., Archer added. Archer also told Carlson that Hunter Biden specialized in reducing regulatory exposure for Burisma. So really, the business of Washington is selling access, Tucker said. Understanding a regulatory environment means selling access, Archer replied. That was a key finding, a true aha for me to listen to that interview and to understand that uh, while what Hunter did, I think, is illegal and uh, uh, shouldn't be tolerated, and certainly Joe Biden, his uh, actions were unethical, if not criminal. Nevertheless, selling access is what Washington, D.C. is all about. Hunter Biden knew a lot of people, he, but obviously there were some familial, you know, archers added. And obviously, I know you're pointing to the father being the key relationship. It's an abuse of soft power, Archer said. Such an interesting interview. <clears throat> I strongly recommend, if you haven't seen it, 
Uh, it's a terrific interview to see. Uh, he, Ar- By the way, Archer's an impressive guy. Uh, and uh, I thought gave an honest interview, and I thought Tucker Carlson did a great job of not being accusatory. He didn't point his finger at him. He just talked with him and uh, pointed out. <clears throat> by the way, and, and Tucker said, uh, "I talk to my kids almost every day." And he and uh, Devin Archer said, "Yeah, I do too." I said, "Well, do you ever uh, went at a, at a meeting? Do you ever put your kids on speakerphone?" <laughs> Pretty impactful statement. Obviously, it was orchestrated in order to sell the brand. <clears throat> As a side note, Hunter Bod trashed his $4.2 million Venice Beach rental house with rude and entitled wife Melissa, leaving the property in disarray and disrepair and stif- stiffing the owner for $80,000 of unpaid rent. Hunter Biden and his wife, Melissa, moved into a multi-million dollar home in Venice Beach, California in 2021 with their baby son, Beau. Uh, The DailyMail.com can reveal that they left the house in disarray. They moved out and owed approximately $80,000 in outstanding rent. Hunter and Melissa were horrible tenants. Not only did they stiff the owner for months of rent, they left the home in a terrible condition, the source said. How about that? Pretty dishonorable. Well, newly uncovered footage uh, from the exclusive interview with Tucker Carlson and the former U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund has revealed that the retired officer who was fired from his job by Nancy Pelosi almost right after the Capitol riot on January the 6th, he claimed it dis- uh, that it appears to be a cover-up. This is such an interesting story and another a great interview by Tucker Carlson. The leaked clip was uh, published by Raheem Kassam, at the National Pulse, Fox News, he said, have, had refused to air it. Uh, by the way, uh, yesterday, uh, Fox News, as you may be aware, is uh, not allowing anybody to use Tucker Carlson's name. Well, it was used last night on Fox. We'll see if there's any repercussions from that to uh, Jesse Waters. Anyhow, during the long-form discussion between the two, Sun decried the conduct of then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi as well as uh, Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley, did not impart what they knew about the potential events in the Capitol Police. Some claims they had information that foreshadowed upcoming issues on Capitol Hill. Despite having access to this key intel, both Pelosi and Milley shared nothing with the police on the ground, according to Sund. It was allow- I was a- if I was allowed to do my job, this is so key, if I was allowed to m- do my job as the chief, we wouldn't be here, and this wouldn't have happened, Sun explained. At one point in the interview, T- Tucker Carlson suggested, it sounds like they were hiding intelligence. Sun replied, could there possibly be actually, they kind of wanted something to happen? It's not a far stretch to begin that to think that. It's sad when you start putting together everything together and thinking about the way this played out. And what was their end goal? Well, I think it was to uh, punish President Donald Trump. The National Pulse has promised another portion of the interview, by the way, covering a discussion about the curious case of U.S. Capitol attendee Ray Epps, who seems to have gotten away with, I'm not going to call it murder, but a lot, uh, during January the 6th. The former uh, police chief said everything appears to be a cover-up and that he was denied any support from the U.S. National Guard, both in advance of the events and even for 71 minutes while the Capitol was, quote-unquote, under attack. Isn't that a fascinating story? Isn't that so interesting? Uh, again, uh, I'm sure this is going to come up at President Trump's a trial uh, on the January 6th affairs. And by the way, President, uh, former President Donald Trump offered appreciation for the support he received after again being indicted by Biden's administration's Department of Justice. Trump on Tuesday was hit with criminal charges arising from efforts to overturn the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Thank you, everyone, he wrote in caps. I've never had so much support on anything before, Trump posted early Wednesday evening, morning. This unprecedented indictment of a former highly successful president and the leading candidate by far in both the Republican Party and the general election has woken the world to the corruption, scandal, and failure that has taken place in the United States for the past three years. America is a nation in decline, but we will make it great again, greater than ever before. I love you all, Trump said in caps. In his, I'm sure it was Truth Social, Trump remains the front runner by a wide margin for the 2024 presidential uh, nomination. 
Trump now has been indicted three times in four months. He's expected to appear in court in Washington, D.C. this this afternoon for federal charges over alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Again, just lots of fodder for uh, uh, Trump to use in his case on what happened on January 6th. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that Lulubee's commercial for uh, breakfast and lunch at Lulubee's at the uh, Green Tree Shopping Center, now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., and I hope you'll join them. It's a great menu, great food, great value, informal. It's just a great place to stop by and have a great dinner at Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Well, former Vice President Mike Pence responded to former President Donald Trump's indictment by Special Counsel Jack Smith. Pence accused Trump of prioritizing himself over the Constitution and stating that a Trump candidacy would divert attention uh, from President uh, Biden's record. Pence emphasized that anyone who values their own interest over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. He also mentioned that he will provide further comments after reviewing the indictment. I tell you, I just uh, Mike Pence has just let us down, in my opinion. You know, the founders uh, did not, uh, of the Constitution, the founders of the United States of America, did not trust politics and understood what would happen when people gained part and access power. That's one of the reasons I think that they wanted the Vice President of the United States to review the ballots before uh, declaring a winner uh, for the presidency of the United States. And uh, they understood that there could be some uh, shenanigans being pulled in the states. They certainly were in this past election. And, for example, in Pennsylvania, they can't just pass a law to do what they did. They had to have a constitutional amendment. 
So these are the things that, of course, we were hoping that our vice president of the United States would point out and make sure that the election was secure and complete on uh, January the 6th. But unfortunately, he, he saw his role as being ministerial. He followed the letter of the Constitution. He counted the votes. I wonder if he had to take off his shoes in order to use his toes to do that. But at any event, a very disappointing. And, and Mike Pence, therefore, in my opinion, did not understand the context of the situ- situation and did not respond appropriately. And uh, no wonder he's not garnering any support in this uh, race for presidency of the United States. Well, President Biden's team recently split with Democrat Party longtime lawyer Mark Elias because of disagreements with Elias's legal strategies and strained personal relationships, according to several, several people. The divorce has created a divide in the party's legal apparatus going into the 2024 election, with Elias representing Democrats' committees for the House, Senate, and state legislative races, while Biden's campaign and the Democrat National Committee mostly getting legal help elsewhere. The split between Biden's team and Elias, who's represented the DNC since 2009, reflects a larger fight within the party on the best legal approach to expand and protect uh, voting rules. Uh, this is a, it's a minor fact in some ways, but other ways may indicate turmoil within the Democrat Party. That, of course, is good news for me, and I hope you share that thought as well. Well, the pandemic changed how people work, with remote work becoming wildly more prominent. And the federal government was no exception. By now, post-pandemic taxpayers are on the hook for billions of dollars to fund federal offices that are sitting mostly empty. That according to a new report. Earlier this month, the Government Accountability Office published a report examining the utilization of current federal workspaces, as John Karch explains for the Americans for Tax Reform, and its results were remarkable and breathtaking. As Karch notes, the report found that all 24 federal agencies' headquarters are vastly underutilized, with most headquarters under 25% capacity and several below 10%. That's right, many federal officers are at 75 or even 90% empty. These include the Department of Agriculture, Departments of Education, Department of Transportation, Small Business Administration, Department of Veteran Affairs, and uh, even more cabinet-level agencies. Karch writes, uh, taxpayers pay for air conditioning, heating, maintenance, and security for agency buildings at a cost of billions of dollars per year, while the same agencies lecture Americans about climate and the type of stove you have to eat in your home. This isn't cheap. The GAO reports now that the federal government owes 511 million square feet of office space, costing billions of dollars annually to operate and maintain. Uh, That's money right out of our pockets. So what should we do about this wildly inefficient status quo? Well, ideally, I'd love to see the federal workforce slashed and many of these agencies and departments shut down. But in the interim, I don't think that's going to happen. The solution is to force employees back in their office. If they can do the job well uh, working from home, they ought to be embraced as a win-win for everyone involved, especially since this means many of these jobs could be outsourced outside the DMV region and therefore require lower salaries to boot. Yes, we've got to stop screwing over our taxpayers. The Fed should consolidate the offices, force federal agencies to share office space. They say they don't want to do that because it'll hurt their agency's prestige and image. And let the leases expire for the unneeded space or sell it off if the Fed's owned the property. That would get taxpayers off the hook for rent and expenses and let those buildings be put to a productive use by the private sector, which if used to create more housing could also meaningfully lower the cost of housing in the area. The status quo, where taxpayers shell out billions of dollars to fund mostly empty spaces, is sadly symbolic of our current relationship with the federal government. If we want to get our house in order, we should start by correcting this depressing symbolism. And it's not just symbolism. Billions, 511 million square feet of office space in Washington, D.C. alone. Are you kidding? That's a lot of office space. Quite frankly, I think uh, when the new president comes in, when Trump is reelected, probably just uh, take some of these agencies and, for example, move the... uh, Department of Homeland Security to someplace in, near the border in Texas. 
Uh, I think what you'd see is a lot of uh, early retirements from the federal government. People want, don't, don't want to leave their soft jobs in Washington. They probably had, just go on retirement. In any event, we need to downsize the government, and th this is just uh, symbolic of such waste in Washington, D.C. Coming up, we're going to be uh, visiting with uh, Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and also uh, now completing it for 2024, a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be great. You can find out more and get tickets. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Keith Law. He is the co-founder and the CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Can you tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance? Uh, certainly. Uh, Florida Citizens Alliance is a grassroots uh, coalition now. We're uh, right at 260,000 Floridians in our active database. Um, we work with other over 100 grassroots groups across the state, and we focus exclusively on K-12 education. Uh, sometimes I call it reform, but at the end of the day, you can't reform government monopolies. You have to break them. And uh, so we work really hard on trying to expand uh, school choice, which puts competition in, into back into the game. And, of course, getting rid of all of the uh, the indoctrination, you know, the critical race theory, the, um, the pornography that's in our schools. I must say I'm a founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance. It goes back, I think, 10 or 11 years for our first meeting. And uh, you have, Keith, you and uh, Pastor Rick have done such a terrific job of uh, having making a difference for public education in, uh, in Florida. And I know the work's not done, but nevertheless, you should pat yourself on the back and rub success all over yourself because you've done a great job. <laughs> well, we built a really great team. We have now four full-time employees and... Uh, uh, each one of them, uh, you know, from a marketing uh, person to uh, uh, somebody who's really focused on our legislative side of the equation, et cetera. Uh, we really have a strong team, and that's helping uh, certainly make us more effective. I hope our listeners will visit uh, goflca.com. Goflca.com is the website for the Florida Citizens Alliance. You know, I reported earlier in the show that we're going to see the sunsetting of this one uh, cent tax that we had started here in uh, in uh, uh, Collier County in order to pay for infrastructure. And it's going to be sunset this year, but I was so disappointed to see the results from the Collier County School Board and what happened. Maybe you can tell us about it. Uh, yes, it's uh, back on last uh, Monday, so the 31st of July. Uh, the school board had the, held the first of two hearings. They'll have the final hearing in, uh, 
in, on September 11th. Um, but they voted three to two uh, to increase our Collier uh, property tax rate, uh, 10.66% uh, for a $111 million budget increase year over year. Um, what was so disappointing about that is during the uh, election, uh, the three new school board members, uh, Kelly Lichter, Tim Mosher, and Jerry Rutherford, all signed uh, the Taxpayer Protection Pledge that was created back uh, a number of years ago by uh, Grover Norquist. Uh, and I'll just read the pledge that each one of them signed. Uh, I, and, insert, and I'm going to insert Kelly Lichter's name because she's the one who violated it. I, Kelly Lichter, pledge... Uh, to the taxpayers of Collier County that I will oppose and vote against any and all efforts to increase increase taxes. Uh, and then she turned around and voted with uh, Luke Relly and Carter to raise taxes 10.66%. Uh, they try to confuse the, the, the voters because they go through this long uh, presentation about how they're reducing the millage rate, but that, that's not the point. Uh, under Florida law, and, and the law is actually... Um, 200.065 for those who want to look it up. Um, it, it requires every government agency um, to publish what's called the rollback rate. Mm -hmm. and, and the rollback rate very simply takes the, uh, says that if you take the property tax, um, uh, you take the current property tax times the rate and it, if it creates the same revenue year over year, then it's no tax increase. If it creates more revenue, then, of course, there's a tax increase. So in this particular case, the 10.66% uh, is a significant tax increase for, uh, for Collier County residents. Hmm. Now, they also try to confuse people uh, with... Uh, you know, some of many of us. I think the number I heard was 28% of us are homesteaded, right? So our taxes won't go up. Um, our taxes uh, may actually go down a little bit, but for the for the property owners, uh, for the renters in Florida, and that's a huge problem just to get teachers to have, find a place to live. Sure, uh, their rate's going to go up um, more than the 10.66% because the 10.66 was an average. So, um, you know, it was really, really disappointing to see uh, Kelly Lichter uh, uh, do this. It was not a surprise to see Lucarelli and, and Carter do it. They voted for every tax increase, increase uh, since they've been elected uh, um, in a, now about five years ago. Uh, so uh, that, that was not unexpected. It's, it's not justifiable, but it wasn't unexpected. Um, so, so disappointing, though. Kelly, she signed... It was kind of a condition of her election, wasn't it? I mean, she she pledged not to raise taxes, and now she's violated her her word. Right. No. Um, you know, I, I I think I think every conservative in Collier County ought to be standing on their tiptoes, uh, telling uh, uh, Kelly Lichter that she violated her pledge. Uh, and uh, they, we do have another, and it's a, a remote possibility, but. Uh, <clears throat> The final vote will be on September 11th. So mm. I'm gonna, we'll talk about it again on your show if you're willing uh, as we get closer. But we ought to have uh, people in mass uh, show up and, and make it very clear to Kelly that what she did was unacceptable and she needs to reverse her position. Um, did she did he make a comment or did she explain her position? Actually, she didn't. <laughs> uh, well, oh, the only comment she made was we had, she had the superintendent talk about some of the things they've done to uh, to reduce expenses, and it was a joke. I mean, she had uh, uh, the, the new superintendent talk about a $2 million savings that the superintendent, uh, with a lot, quote-unquote, a lot of hard work, uh, was able to eliminate uh, several positions uh, that had been advertised for but had not been filled. Huh. And when that, when that happens, they have to, quote-unquote, set aside uh, and money to, to protect that. So they eliminated a few jobs. $2 million on a $1.55 billion budget was a joke. Um, so, uh, well, here, here's course, the thing, Keith. I mean, uh, also, uh, we, I don't know anything about our new school superintendent. She may be an outstanding person, but she was mentored 
by the previous school to superintendent. Uh, the results, uh, they, of course, they're giving out A's and B's for different schools and uh, and crowing about how how good the education system here is in Collie in Collie County. Well, it's not. I mean, uh, yeah. something to the effect of 50% of our kids can't read at school level, so at grade level. Yeah. So yeah. I was all for bringing in a, a new broom sweeps clean, getting in a new superintendent who hadn't been uh, mentored here in Collier County. And yeah. uh, Kelly Lichter, who really ran on the whole notion of uh, getting a new school, school superintendent and not bringing back somebody like our previous superintendent, she voted for the, uh, for, for the replacement we have now. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's just one of a number of items that Kelly has flipped on. Uh, one of the things I want to do, to, we tried to get the, uh, school, the, the school board members to focus on, uh, you know, the 800-pound grill in the room. That's the staff. You know, we have, uh, you can talk about $1.4 billion or $1.5 billion, but the driving force within that right. is the number of people. And so uh, in round numbers, Collier County has 7,000 employees. Call you on the school board, four thousand overhead, and and three thousand teachers. So that's a problem in and of itself. It certainly is. But uh, back during the election cycle, on on a survey that we put out, uh, all of the new school board members uh, committed to reduce that overhead by five percent per year for the next five years. Of course, they haven't done nothing. Yeah. Uh, so if you take, and I don't want to lose your your listeners here, but if you take five percent of four thousand people. Uh, that's 200 people. So if, if if you were to reduce, if the school board were, was to reduce their overhead by just 5%, 200 people, that would be a savings of at least $160 million. You know, and, and Keith, here's, here's the thing. I mean, uh, and we have right now school vouchers. We have people who are now making decisions to send their kids to private schools or to charter schools. So, in fact, if anything, the budget should be going down because of that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and, 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 and when you listen to Carter and Luke Riley talk about why they had to raise taxes, it's because, you know, they have to build all these new schools. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just such a joke um, and so disappointing. It is indeed. Before I let you go, I know you're in the midst of an a, a important time in, in raising money right now uh, here for the, for the Florida Citizens Alliance, a terrific organization. I'd like our listeners to participate. participate. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, we have uh, every year we do what we call our, uh, our uh, Liberty Challenge. And this year it's, of course, the 2023 Liberty Challenge. And our challenge is to raise literally a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, right now, we're setting at about 50% of that. Um, the the uh, challenge will run through October 10th. Um, but we really encourage everyone who is uh, supporting the work we do uh, to uh, you know be generous, do whatever you can to support us. On October 10th, we will have an event uh, that we'll, we'll be putting out here shortly on our website uh, that uh, involves a fellow by the name of Nick Adams, uh, some of your listeners may know him. Um, but anyway, we really could use uh, all of your listeners' support in any way they can uh, afford. GoFLCA.com is the website. GoFLCA.com. Go to the pull-down tab for contributions, and uh, you'll be supporting a terrific organization. Keith, really appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Certainly, Bob. Have a great rest of your week and weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. 
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Uh, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's not happening. Well, it certainly isn't, but you're doing your best, and we appreciate your efforts. So you wrote a column, a big tech agency, question mark, amend the law, don't expand D.C. Boy, this is a great a great column. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, it's just it, it, D.C.'s response to everything is to expand itself. Um, there's a bipartisan bill uh, from Elizabeth Warren and Lindsey Graham, alleged Republican from South Carolina. And, you know, look, I want to rein in big tech. Please do not misunderstand. Um, I also understand that, the, the, that there's a Clayton antitrust law that was passed in 1911. And it hasn't really been substantially updated since then. So the agencies charged with dealing with big tech are having problems applying the law to big tech because big tech came along a century after the Clayton Act. Right. Well, the bill between Lindsey Graham, and, you know, I, I, these thoughts should have occurred to an allegedly less government Republican. But the bill would create an entire new agency for big tech. Mm. Now, first of all, let's think about that. In 20 years, there could be no more big tech. Right. Will the agency go away? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. I, I, I just thought of that just now. I was like, wait a minute. You know, what if they if they get rid of Section 230, a lot of big tech would go away, Yeah. And which they should do, and Section 230 should go away because it's the biggest produce in this tourism. And then you had this big hulking agency. Um, but anyway, they want to deal with all the implications of big tech. So do I. Um, but, they, you know, the, the main implications are national security, and um, antitrust and unfair trade practices. Well, just hearing those words, anyone who follows D.C. goes, wait a minute, there's several agencies that deal with national security. Yeah. And there's at least two agencies or two departments that deal with antitrust and unfair trade practices. So why are we creating a whole new agency to deal with this? The national security, I, I, I said in the piece, you know, when 9-11 happened, there were at least three agencies charged with preventing it. FBI, CIA, and the NSA, National Security Agency. They didn't do a good job. Did they fix themselves after 9-11? No. Yeah. They created a whole new multi-headed Hydra monster that's called the whole Department of Homeland Security. And just one of whom has completely... I might drive back from Belize because of the Transportation Security Administration, the TSA. Right. It is such an affront and an offense to anybody, any free-thinking human, to, to violate the Fourth Amendment and, and, and search me at an airport just because I'm getting on a plane with no probable cause and no warrant. Um, so anyway, and, and by the way, they've never, ever, ever caught a terrorist. Never. But over... But between 2003 and 2018, I forget the numbers, 
400 people were arrested for stealing our stuff. Yeah. So, so it's just, you know, that's what happens. You expand the government. Every time I go to the airport, I'm just sitting there going, you know, looking at people going, you're $100,000 a year, you're $100,000, you're $100,000, and they're sitting around talking to each other, and it's just completely, anyway. So no, I, I'll tell you. Got, the, I'll tell you the reason why they want to do that. Uh, you don't have a ribbon cutting, <clears throat> a ribbon cutting for uh, amending that's why they don't, that's amending why they don't law fix roads and bridges. Right, right. right. That so they they if they open an agency, they can have a ribbon cutting and they can get out a lot of credit for each other. And it's such and waste. So, so the NSA we have <clears throat> angles for, and then of course we have the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice's Antitrust Division, both of whom deal with antitrust and unfair trade practices yeah so we have all the existing apparatus and superstructures in place let's not create a whole new let's not reinvent the wheel and create a whole new agency to deal with something that hopefully won't be here in 20 years it's so true so so true seton and uh, again we should be looking for ways to uh, reduce the size of government I've, i mentioned earlier in the show that we've got over 500 million square feet of office space in downtown washington dc and that's anywhere between 10 and 15 and 25 percent occupied because people aren't showing up to work anymore in, in, in government agencies they're so, working remotely right yeah so it's just incredible what we're seeing right oh, now. oh i remember just real quick i moved back to dc in 06 and then of course the the, uh, the housing crisis that occurs <clears throat> and i'm driving you know the whole country the whole world is in deep recession and every time i drove into dc to do something there were new restaurants going up and yep. new hotels going up dc's recession proof and it's our money no question seat modeling again the founder and president of less government i encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org you can also visit less government on facebook seaton i really appreciate your commentary here on the show thank you so much for joining us thank you very much sir my pleasure indeed all right coming up we're going to be visiting with uh uh, George Markovich. Dr. George Markovich is my orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees on the same day in uh, 2006. He also replaced my hip uh, last year. So I'm very grateful for his support and for his service to me over the years and uh, look forward to getting his comments. Speaking from the trenches in healthcare, we're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Ever 
ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with life chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy, and they help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Dr. George Markovich. He is my orthopedic surgeon. I'm so pleased for the service he's given me. He replaced both of my knees in 2006 and my hip, a full knee hip replacement just a year ago, and I'm so grateful for uh, his support and for his care. Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. Good morning. Good morning to you. Say, I, I read that there's a new piece of legislation uh, that's being proposed to uh, get rid of the disparity between payments to uh, Medicare and to hospitals from Medicare, I should say, and other insurance companies uh, to hospitals versus independent uh, doctors like yourself and uh which is the, the disparity is huge we see more and more doctors start to gravitate towards being employed by hospitals and i think it's because of the increased income i'd love to get your thoughts so bob i learned so much on your show uh i'm, I'm not uh, familiar with that legislation but you are absolutely correct uh there is a lot of disparity in health care and a lot of disparity in the way the payers operate. Um, It's a morass. Uh, Hopefully, uh, the law is intended to uh, simplify, allow transparency, and uh, alleviate those disparities. Uh, I can't speak into details on something that I haven't read. Right. I must say that I I had dinner with a friend the other day. He had his shoulder replaced. At, down in Naples, uh, and uh, for one night in the hospital is one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. I I couldn't believe it. I said, "Did they give you some aspirin or something?" <laughs> the point being, he said he paid it. The the uh, yeah, the, the the Medicare ended up paying. I think it was ten thousand dollars or something like that for the hospital stay. But irrespect, that's a lot of tamales for staying in a hospital one night. And apparently, he paid the surgeon. The surgeon was paid separately as uh, the anesthesiologist and so forth. And and he said uh, the reason he, the explanation he got is that because when foreign nationals come into the country to get these types of offers, they'll pay the $135,000. No, they won't. Um, you know, they <laughs> they bargain a price as well because we, we have many of those types of patients. So yeah. I, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> it, it's, it's the old story of an aspirin or a Tylenol or whatever costing uh, several dollars versus what you can go into uh, a drugstore and buy it for, you know, pennies on the dollar each pill. Right. Um, it's, it's designed to keep the charges up, uh, so that the agreed upon, uh, payment that is ultimately, ultimately made does not go down. And unlike many other industries, computers get faster, chips get cheaper to make, uh, there's economies of scale to get worked out. Uh, you know, your, uh, item on Amazon, uh, has, uh, competition involved. Sure, there's some sponsored things, but the prices in general either stay stable or in some cases actually go down, or you're paying the same price to get less product. That's a free market. That's the way things kind of work. Healthcare is totally different. And you mentioned the surgeon's fee and the anesthesia fee. Uh, That uh, is uh, usually on average about 11 to 14 percent. In other words, physician fees make up 11 to 14 percent of the actual charges that get spent in health care. Yeah. 
Um, where is the rest of the money going? How is it being used? Is it efficiently being spent? Much like government, uh, those things aren't clear. And I could tell you that it's probably not nearly as efficient or as effectively being allocated as it is in the 11% of people that are actually doing the work. Just so amazing, isn't it? I mean, uh, right now, I, I read that the, uh, the top uh, employer in terms of gaining new positions in the United States is government. And then number two is healthcare, and of course, healthcare is is in large part managed by government because of uh, all the programs like Medicare and Medicaid. So, I mean, it's it's just incredible uh, the lack of efficiency that we have in our. We could drive down prices enormously, I think, if we have a patient-centered program allowing for not only the shopping for quality but also uh, for uh, pricing. Uh, that in itself, in and of itself, I think, could drive down prices. Well, we're trying to do that in our small ways. I mean, we have a program where patients can make appointments. They can uh, describe the problem, and we can uh, allocate a, a price and the resources necessary to uh, address their problem. Uh, and that price point is quite reasonable compared to trying to get a payer to subsidize some of these expenses and then going through this rigmarole of months and months going back and forth uh, with the types of inefficiencies that you can imagine go on yeah. and that you, we're talking about. It, it, it is incredible. However, you know, uh, listen, if uh, <laughs> you, you read and hear about things and you're of the persuasion that this is kind of what you're interested in, uh, you can be a Hunter Biden, uh, per se, which is, uh, you know, fulfilling a role, gaining access to something and uh, making uh, a lot of money, essentially doing nothing. Uh, a lot of times that's what government people are involved with. Right. Um, it is a huge system. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell who's really doing anything. And, and that's true with a lot of industries. But in the private sector, it's, it's I think, uh, less likely to occur. It's just so amazing. Apparently now New York and California are having debates on whether they should have their own single-payer health care system. And in spite of the fact that in Canada, as I understand it, the Fraser Institute reports that Canadians wait an average of 14.8 weeks to receive treatment after, uh, after seeing a specialist. Can you believe that? It's just unbelievable. Well, that's only through about September or October because I've got many friends in Canada and that's when the system runs out of money. And uh, nobody likes to work for free. Yeah. And they basically stop working for several months until <laughs> the next revenue cycle. So uh, the Canadian system is all about rationing. They have uh, a fraction of the people that, that we do. Uh, it, it's actually the highest uh, level of growth is private type of care within Canada because of the inefficiencies and the waiting times and the rationing that occurs. So, you know, uh, when they ask people that have gotten, uh, you know, good care early in the year, uh, they're happy with it. Yeah. Uh, and Canadians actually, you know, uh, <laughs> I've been in Canada a few times. They're very nice people. They're more than willing to wait in a line, uh, much like some people in the Midwest and so forth. Um, but, the fact of the matter is, uh, it is not an efficient system, and it leaves a lot to be desired. Well, I tell you, I just really appreciate your care, Doctor. I, uh, Dr. Markovich, was, as I mentioned, replaced both of my knees in 2006 and my hip uh, last year. So grateful for his care, and uh, really took his made sure that uh, I was on board, making sure that uh, we took every precaution that we could to avoid the operation if possible. And uh, again, Dr. Markovich does a great job. If you have any pains in your joints at all, I highly recommend calling Dr. Markovich. His number is 4825399. I know you're fumbling for a pencil, so let me say that again. It's 4825399 Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we've got some great guests as well. 
I hope you'll tune in. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. And if you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the word out and support our advertisers. We can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.